You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 72. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of The Local Maximum. Today is, well, it's the first time that I have a fill-in co-host. Miriam, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Miriam. It's my fourth time being on the podcast. Yes, it's your fourth time on the podcast, but it's your first time as the co-host for this podcast. Yes, first time as co-host, and I'm very excited. Yeah, you get a chance. Yeah, uh, uh, Aaron, our usual co-host, has uh, has flew away this weekend, so uh, we are going to uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, all right, first of all. Some milestones on the local maximum. This week is the first week that we've seen a thousand downloads slash plays in a single week across all episodes. So that was originally my 2018 goal. Overshot it by a few months, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that. A thousand people, that sounds, uh, I don't know if it's a thousand full people or if it's um, one person listening a thousand times, but uh, either way, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, you've, you've got at least one super fan. Yeah, no, but I don't think that's what it is. I think it, well, you know how these things are. There's, you, you can't have one person listening. Well, I don't know. We could probably use our engineering brains right now and think of, okay, what's the, uh, what's the minimum that I have? But I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> Let's just put it at that. A thousand. Awesome. One K. All right. So also this week, uh, everyone should check out the podcast Python Bytes. It's a news podcast about Python. I was on it this week. Uh, um, I was kind of acting as third co-host. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Python version two, which uh, is finally seeing lights out. Um, you know, it's it's no longer being supported um, in favor of Python three, which came out unbelievably ten years ago. So it's a ten year transition period. So um, I, I also looked up some of the features in Python three that I talked about enumerated types, things like that. I didn't know they have that. So apparently they do. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Miriam, do you use Python at all? I use it some. Um, at Foursquare, we use it as like the glue between data processes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's very common. It's very heavily used in data science and machine learning as well, even though probably less so at Foursquare, but, uh, you know, Luminary Media and other places, uh, they, use it, they use Python pretty extensively. Um, so let's see. What else? Last night, I started watching, now that uh, Game of Thrones is over, I started watching Chernobyl. On HBO, particularly since you know I'm going to Ukraine in uh, in a few weeks, I thought I should start watching Chernobyl. It was um, it was a fun workplace comedy, I would say, workplace sitcom <laughs> about uh, bumbling management. Uh, <laughs> it, it was horrifying. I couldn't sleep last night. I was like, my face is turning red. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Should we uh, get, let's uh, let's get into the news for today? Because today I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about a little cryptocurrency update. We're going to talk about Facebook's foray into cryptocurrency with Libra, and then we're going to talk about the importance of voting systems, which are two actually related things. So, um, first of all, I want to talk about uh, Facebook getting into. Uh, cryptocurrency. Last week, they published a, they put out a white paper for a new proposed cryptocurrency called Libra. And it's unclear who this is. And then there's a lot of debate on like who this is going to compete with. Is this competing with uh, the existing cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum? Is this competing with the banks? Um, or is Facebook just doing something else entirely? So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what this is, what the nuts and bolts of this are. So first of all, I mean, it's pretty exciting. Like who would have thought 10 years ago that currencies would be like popping up left and right and that would be a valid, uh, you know, <laughs> strategy that, that companies would do. That's, that's pretty crazy just to think about it. Um, so we did get a white paper, but one thing to notice, it's not like Facebook is just putting out this currency tomorrow. Uh, that's not happening. So it's, um, it's one of those things that are, planned over several years. And so it's, um, it's, it could still change. It's still in flux as to how this thing works. So all the information we give today is kind of their general outline, but it's not necessarily how this thing is going to end up if it comes out in a few years, or if it does come out in a few years. And we could talk a little bit about what, you know, what some of these multi-year 
projects mean for some of these tech companies? I know you worked at Google, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if it change in, yeah. in a few years. You know, everything from uh, from the landscape of of what cryptocurrencies are to uh, you know the project could get killed. There are so many things that can happen when you have a project this big that's a multi-year situation. And yeah, yeah. I think all the news about it now, um, it's early. There's still, still a lot more information to come out, and we'll see how it rolls out over the next few months. Yeah. Okay, so w- how is this thing going to work, uh, and, and what is it for? First of all, it's going to have um, a flexible monetary policy that's backed by national currencies. That means that it's when you're buying – this Libra, the idea is that you're buying a basket of a basket of goods, which their current plan seems to be, uh, you know, it, it's a basket of national currency. So if you own some Libra, then a fraction of that will be in dollars, a fraction of that will be in euros, a fraction of that will be in yen. And so the idea is that it's kind of a, a stable coin. So it will hold its value uh, with relation to the world's current with the world's you know, fiat currency with the world national currencies over time. Uh, hopefully, it'll be stable in terms of its value in, in purchasing power. So it's definitely not something that you would want to invest in and hope for like big returns. Uh, no, it's, it's, I mean, if you hold value in it, it should be like the idea is you'd think of it as holding cash. Um, it's a private blockchain. Now, this is something that is going to be um, well, it's going to be hard to describe, but there's so the trick that uh, Christian Lundqvist gave me in, in episode five was when you think blockchain, think database, right? So uh, a database is usually controlled by one company or one person, holds the data, can hold transaction data, all this. A blockchain is distributed database, and it's you know it's it's a kind of ingenious method for holding all this data across many different people and many different organizations and um you know having it be kind of open and so that no one can tamper with it and the idea behind a private blockchain is that it is a almost a hybrid between the two so facebook wants to have a group of um, well, essentially, they have a consortium of they want to have 100 different organizations in on this. And so it's not like with Bitcoin or almost every cryptocurrency out there where anyone can go mine that anyone can join the network. No, uh, in this case, there are strict rules as to who can join the network. And it's restricted, but there'll be a lot of them. They'll be like, um, as I said, 100. Um, and they have this big, like, what is it, circle chart of everyone's – did you see that, the, the circle of everyone's logos? Yeah. They have? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, all these logos, all these people you can trust. Um, so, <laughs> Well, they're logos, not people. Yeah. <laughs> can we trust them? <laughs> yes. Who can't trust – who doesn't love a good logo? Um, so, all right. So, it, interestingly enough, so some proposals in private blockchains also restrict – who can create accounts and who can trade. And so one of the interesting things about this, you know, this might surprise people, is they're not restricting who can create an account and who can post a transaction. So that will be completely open like other blockchains. Although it's an open question, okay, if you have 100 groups validating these transactions, can those groups, um, you know, uh, collude in any meaningful way? Uh, that's an open question. They could definitely do it a lot. More. It's, you could definitely see it a lot more easily than, say, um, you know, a, 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 a true decentralized blockchain where you really can't censor these things. Right. But if you have a hundred, you know, companies who are who are competing they, with each other too, they're competing with each other. So they might actually. So if like one company decides to go rogue and starts like, you know, not like restricting people's transactions, uh, some other company might pick it up. On the other hand. Um, and this could be a good thing uh, and it could be a bad thing, but I could see them in like extreme circumstances being say, okay, all of us agree, especially since they're restricting it to groups that they know, like companies that they, they, they trust, um, that, that Facebook trusts essentially, or or the group trusts, they, they could come to an agreement. Okay. We're going to have, you know, these restrictions in place. And, um, and at first it would be, you know. At first, it would come in as like almost a Trojan horse of, okay, these are some very awful players who are doing horrible things with their money, so we'll restrict restrict them. And then, um, you know, and then, yes, there'll probably be some organization, which is some like coalition with them that could say, okay, like, we suggest these get restricted. I don't know. 
we don't know how this will turn out. But I'm saying that's more likely to happen in this case uh, than in any you know known cryptocurrency cases. So it's not really completely owned by Facebook, as we said. So some interesting companies in that that beautiful logo circle are um, MasterCard, Visa, uh, Uber, which is an interesting one. Yeah, definitely um, an interesting one. Yeah, and Horowitz, which is the VC fund, which is heavily invested in, in cryptocurrency and Coinbase as well, which is you know a cryptocurrency company. So it seems to be some hybrid of crypto and credit and banking and and, uh, and self driving cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Really, there's Uber's Uber just trying to take over the world. That, 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 that's what this well, is Well, so, so is Facebook. But, you know, the thing – But so I can see it, you know, because one of the important things that Uber has in their system is, you know, how do you pay for the Uber itself? And so I can see them wanting to – they probably have to deal with – Lots and lots of payment systems oh, yeah, over lots definitely. of countries. You know, you travel. Uh, when I was in Ukraine, I took I took an Uber to get Wait, to the airport. You've been to Ukraine. Oh, we got to talk about this because I'm going there. We didn't. I didn't know that. Okay, we've, we're going to talk after the show. <laughs> yeah, later, so, later. Yeah. <laughs> I was just there briefly. It was a 12 hour layover. So, oh. uh, but but I've used Uber while traveling um, a few times this year, and um, I imagine it's a difficult problem for Uber because. I'm I'm using a U.S. account. Um, they have to convert that currency into the driver's local currency, and hmm. yeah, so it's a good point. Right. So then it would be you know if you have a little bit of this um, Libra in your Uber account, then you could travel internationally. And I I've had no problem doing Uber internationally, but it probably saves money in the back end because it's like right. they're probably trans transferring all this yeah. money around. Yeah. Um, okay. So. I started looking, as I, I mean, I said on, the, on um, a couple shows ago that uh, I try not to look at other takes before I have my take. But in this case, I kind of had to to see what uh, you know w- what the takes were around the uh, around the internets. And so, you know, first I looked at my crypto people, the 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 Bitcoin takes around the internet, and interestingly enough, the smart ones that I listened to. Um, and interestingly enough, a lot of them are starting with the assumption that this is going to be big and successful. And then, you know, hey, Libra might be big and successful, but, you know, Bitcoin has all these other benefits that, uh, that, that, that they won't be able to uh, they, they won't be able to replicate. But before we get into that argument, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's also consider the possibility that this won't be successful at all. And I know that... Um, I think with the people in crypto, they're always like having, you know, critics saying, oh, you know, Bitcoin's going to zero. People have been saying that for 10 years now. And so maybe there's they're kind of allergic to saying that someone something's going to go to zero. But uh, um, or maybe they're steel manning the other argument, which means like, hey, even if this is really big, they're not going to beat us because X, Y and Z. But before before we get into that, let's not look at the um, um, inevitability of this getting huge, uh, yeah. because you've got so many companies that are part of this that have to work together to get this governing organization working, which is already going to be an issue that's going to slow things down. There's a lot yeah. of bureaucracy there. And how many? How much of the leadership in these companies? So okay. I learned about blockchain because I sat down for two weeks and I read a couple books on it. How many of the leadership people in these companies actually did that? Like, <laughs> I don't think very much. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I went through like a lot of the specifics. And even I don't, I'm not an expert yet because I, I only consider myself an expert if I actually written code for it. Um, and I don't think, I think a lot of the leadership of these companies have, now, look, actually, I should, should back up. The Coinbase people and the Andreessen Horowitz people probably know full well what, what all this means. And so maybe they can help. But a lot of these companies, like Visa, MasterCard, and uh, whatnot, um, yeah. And so companies, they screw things like this up all the time, even if it was a single company doing it. Um, I remember, uh, just off the top of my head, I remember Facebook was going to get into the dating game, and it was going to kill Match.com. Yeah, Do you we, even remember we, that? We all use this, right? Like... Everyone's everyone's on Tinder. Everyone's on on Facebook's singles. Yeah, no one uses this thing. Yeah, does this it, even still exist? Yeah, and then people are like, oh, they're going to dominate the industry because they have everyone's 
everyone's data and everyone's information. How could you not dominate dating with all of that information? Well, they didn't. <laughs> I don't know what else to say on that. Other right. than, you know, um, it, it turns out that I've, this is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate arrogance of big data is to believe that you can actually take over the world with it, which is what Facebook and Google believe. And uh, they're, um, their theories on this are don't always pan out, and they're yeah. starting to pan out less and less. Also, you know, these these big companies have a lot of resources, but they also have their hands in a lot of different pies. Right. So, yeah, they may want to go into a specific area, but turns out, you know, this other thing that's more important to the business kind of crops up, and they need to reallocate resources and stuff yeah. like like Facebook dating just kind of goes away. Right, right. And so and and like this Libra, like, okay, is this Mark Zuckerberg's number one goal over the next few years? Maybe if it is his number one goal, then it'll happen. But I don't see any indication that it is, or it's the number one goal of the, the people on the executive team or the board. I think they think, okay, this is a nice thing to have. This could be the future of the company. And we're going to bet bet this on the future of the company. But it seems like they might be like hedging a little bit. They're not necessarily all in. Um, I, yeah. It's hard to tell. We're not insiders on this. But I, given how these companies, these companies usually, when they have a certain idea of how the world works that's been allowing them to win for 20 years, they usually don't veer off from that theory of how the world works. Right. I, I kind of have more faith that some of the other companies on, on the list are prioritizing it more. Right. Um, I mean, that, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the question is, is it set up so that um, you only need a few companies to prioritize it or so i mean yeah. it could be right Right, we don't know yeah yeah maybe they could be like oh facebook only needs to provide their hash power or something like that or facebook needs to but okay here's what they need facebook for facebook needs to build a good product yeah. to actually have people using this currency that, that's what they're betting the yes. the billion people on and on so the, the company calibra right and and facebook needs to um needs to build a good product in that and actually get people using their currency versus what the people are doing now. And so they actually need to convince people to get on their system. And that doesn't come for free. You don't just say, oh, hey, people on WhatsApp, here's a, uh, here's a, here's a notification that you could use Libra now to pay your friends and stuff. Some people might ignore that. People might be happy with the way, way they're, they're paying now. Um, yeah, you know, and, and so sometimes it's it's even harder if you're a large corporation to get the word out on new products and yeah. get your users using new stuff like that. Uh, I remember when I was at Google, um, we had we had users uh, for the forms team asking for features that already existed, and the issue was that we had built those features, but when a user is um, so used to using forms in a certain way. They're not looking at the new places where these uh, new features are available. So when uh, when Calibra comes out, they uh, yeah, Facebook will have to do you know it's some marketing to get users onto it, and they're going to have to be providing value for users to sign up for it in order in order for people to actually use it. Yeah, and that and that's not always you know just because you have a marketing budget. Uh, even an infinite marketing budget, well, I mean, I guess infinite when it comes to money is a problematic term, so let me not use that. <laughs> but even if you have like the biggest marketing budget you can think of, uh, it, might not, uh, it might not work. And then there yeah. is a point, even with Facebook, where you know, other parts of the company will be like, hey, there's too much resources going into this. I need resources too for, for my thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that could happen. Uh, the other example I have written down here is Facebook graph search, which is, that one's sort of a mixed bag. That was a a better way to search people that they came up with in 2012 that kind of I thought was pretty like uh, easy to use, but then they killed it for unknown reasons. Maybe it was a privacy concern. Maybe it was probably but, privacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they changed it so that if you search for someone in particular, you have to like then like search through all your friends or whatever. I, I don't know. But well, unknown concerns come up. And a lot of the times when, when Facebook came out with graph search, they were like, this is the future of the company. This is yeah. where we're going. This is the next big thing. And then a year later, they said, no, actually, it's not that important. So sometimes when they say things, you don't, um, it's almost like um, 
the the culture in tech is everything is the next big thing and huge and then behind closed doors they only they they only prioritize so much um and then finally i guess i was going to look for some google examples you probably have more than me um an example i thought of from 10 years ago is google plus where they were like oh we're going to be beat you know facebook with google plus because we act, actually at the time have more data on people than facebook and we have more users than facebook overall yeah. blah 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 so we could beat facebook at their own game just by getting into it in a couple of years and of course that didn't work either yeah there are so many examples of uh... I did a whole episode on this. I think it was called the Google Graveyard episode. I don't remember. <laughs> I think it was uh, episode... Google Reader. Yeah. Oh, Google Reader. Yeah. Let me see what uh, episode. Uh... Hold on. Yeah. What's funny about Google Plus? Even I mean, they didn't fully deprecate it until I was there. You know, like the, it wasn't until maybe. A year and a half ago, two years ago, that yeah. they fully deprecated Google+. Plus. Wow. Oh, yeah. So this was episode 36 uh, when I went through all the lists of them. So I think the bottom line is there are a lot. Okay. So um, where are people saying that this new Libra currency can be successful? Well, one thing that people are saying is that it can be successful with the unbanked. So Facebook has all these like the billion WhatsApp users around the world. You know, maybe people in the US or in, in the developed world, they already have good payments. You know, we have Venmo, we have PayPal. If we want to invest in cryptocurrency, we'd go to the real thing. But, uh, right. you know, the, maybe it could help with people who, uh, you know, don't have access to banking. Yeah, I, I don't buy this so much. Um if you just look at the tech industry as a whole, but specifically Facebook, like we as an industry don't build things for people who aren't us. Hmm. And so I I just don't expect that people who don't have access to banking are going to benefit from this because it wasn't specifically made for them. Um, so they're not going to be the, the primary user that facebook has in mind like the the engineers at facebook who are going to be building this product managers they're they're going to be thinking of of people like them and yeah they're bankers they're, they're bank not going to be going to africa and visiting africa and living there and yeah, trying but, to figure out and, but even in the states there are people yeah. who who um, are kind of left behind by banks and yeah the libra is not going to solve any of the any of the the problems that they have any of the issues that they have with banks um, yeah yeah so they might be trying to ring out uh, so, so then, if, if that's the case, then they're just left with ringing out some inefficiencies in the current banking system, which I don't know how far that's going to get them. Um, right. Transacting will be faster and less expensive than the Bitcoin uh, and Ethereum blockchain, and the reason is because when you post something on those blockchains, um, it is you know you post a transaction on Bitcoin, right? It goes out to every node in the system and it's it's free to join so like that's like many 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 groups have to put that in their in their internal log into their internal database and so um that's sort of what makes that expensive and in this case if there's a hundred companies who are all very efficient with it then yeah. it could be a lot less efficient and of course the um the real things the the bitcoin blockchain are coming up with solutions on to that as well where you don't actually have to be fully on the blockchain and so i feel like they'll have a way better solution by the time this thing goes out um nah, i don't know i mean these are these are large tech companies it's i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if this particular piece Stayed, uh, stayed true. Like, like, it, well, oh no! I think that I think that the transactions will be fa like so for Libra. I think that the transactions will be fast. Like, I don't think mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to have to wait a long time for your transaction to go through. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be It's, it's on the best high. interest of the company. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Companies involved for that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's just one leg up they have on like on on Bitcoin, but. Um, Bitcoin's been getting better and better at it, and there's a lot of yeah. um, there's a lot of like second layer solutions that I've been looking at that uh, you know um, they made the problem maybe, like not really a problem anymore anyway. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, but we'll see. Never know what could happen. All right. So uh, even if this is successful, so now we're getting into the the main take. Where does this stand vis-a-vis -vis Bitcoin and the and the altcoins? So in other words, what what is the uh, 
what's the value proposition of Bitcoin now if it's not transacting as easily? Um, yeah, you've already touched on some of these. Right. So the two things I want to touch on now is like Bitcoin is still king when it comes to, you know, what's called hard money. And, you know, to define that is that there's a, um, there's a hard limit as to the number of Bitcoin that could ever exist. Um, and the same with other cryptocurrencies. So if I earn, if, if I hold some of this, uh, some of these true cryptocurrencies, I have a percentage of the money supply that remains fixed. And that's sort of where the value comes in. Um, in this case, you're not going to get that. Your, your monetary policy is going to be tied to, um, to the you know, national currencies, whatever their basket is that they choose. I don't even know if they could change their basket midstream. They probably can. Um, and then the second one is privacy. Um, yeah. Even though it's not really Facebook doing this, I kind of feel like uh, you don't necessarily want Facebook anywhere near uh, in charge of your privacy. Yeah, I, even though uh, there's... I, and they're going to use this for all... They're going to use this data for everything they do because that's what they do. That's like their... Um, you know, their uh, uh, that, that's, that's in their nature. It's yeah. like you can't, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're splitting off into this. You're, you're putting splitting, your head in a lion's mouth. Yeah, they're they're like, splitting off um, the the work for this to into a separate company called Calibra, but uh, it's still Facebook engineers that are that are doing this. It's still Facebook product managers. Um, the decision makers are still of the Facebook company. They're still Facebook culture, so they're still going to be making the same sorts of decisions. They're still working within that same framework where um, they're. They're not going to be focusing on user privacy. Yeah, and they think the same way. I mean, like even, <laughs> I, you know, Facebook now says it wants to focus on privacy, but all the systems are set up, um, you know, they already set their table. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to say it any other way. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and even if they do a good job, I mean, Facebook is not exactly... Uh, from a marketing standpoint, Facebook is not going to be synonymous for, with privacy anytime soon. Right. Um, right. And he, yeah, there's the there's the perception, right? Yeah, there's the reality of like the yeah. the engine the um, the company culture not holding privacy to you know a high uh, being yeah, top high, of high mind. standard. Yeah. Um, but also, there's the perception like if someone. If, if someone's choosing between Bitcoin and Libra, there's the perception that their privacy might be breached. Sure. And then on top of that, there's also the actual anonymity associated with Bitcoin versus the pseudo. Yeah. Well, anonymity. Bitcoin is pseudonymous too. Like you can like, you know. Yeah, but, but, but we don't know what that looks like yet. Are you going to have to, say, sign into the Calibra product to use it? I think um, – I think you won't. So, okay, here's how I think um, it'll work. Like, in, in order to exchange dollars for Libra, you would have to go through all the regulations, all the, you know, they would have to know who you are. Right. And so they would know from your first account who you are. Then you can transact with people but um, and send the money around. And so theoretically, it could be anonymous eventually, but... This is Facebook, and they'll, they'll track. They'll, yeah, I think exactly. they'll have a pretty good idea of who owns what. I mean, yeah. even on the Bitcoin blockchain, people have a pretty good idea of who owns what. But there are ways of being um, more right. anonymous if, they, right. if you want to. Just, um, but even this, like, yeah, and, and Facebook, you know, well, I mean, just using it for advertising isn't even the worst thing. But they're certainly going to do that, and then they're going to use it to um, – Oh, they're going to get into all sorts of stuff with this. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, so, um, okay. So uh, rather than trying to go down that rabbit hole, um, I do want to get into our kind of concept of the day pretty soon, which is Shapley's Power Index. I want to talk about, because I talked, I mentioned the, the take from the crypto community on this. I want to take, also look at the opposite take, which was a New York Times article opinion piece, which was kind of attacking this project from the other side of the crypto people. So it's very interesting how um, I, I see this again and again, where something is being attacked, but they're being attacked from two sides for very opposite reasons. So um, and yes, a New York Times opinion piece, is probably the only thing that can make me take Facebook's side on this. <laughs> but uh, so um, 
so yeah, so the Bitcoiners will say like, no, this isn't a real hard decentralized money. It's basically just, you know, it's basically just fancy banking, blah, 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 blah. And the New York Times is like, no, this is too innovative. You know, money needs to be hand, in the hands of government. And interestingly enough, it, um, and this piece is uh, over the last week. It's by uh, Matt Stoller. I should get the, um, do I have the title of it? I should have gotten the, um, the title of it is, Oh, it's just about Facebook's currency Libra is a bad idea, something like that. Um, and, um, so, yeah, yeah. So it says, no, f- money needs to be in the hands of democratic control. And I always, I, you know, we, yes, it's in, yes, it's like theoretically under control of the government, but we actually separate our out separate out our monetary policy into the Federal Reserve, which is not democratic control. And there's actually a good reason for that. Like, you don't want politicians to be able to directly print money, even though they like do it indirectly. Um, So like, it's even on its own terms, I just find that like, like every sentence I read in this, I just find a a term that's like, oh, this, these are just words that are like, don't actually describe reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, But yeah, I mean, realistically, this thing is probably going to be something that's more convenient for some people to move money around. Yeah, uh, but it's, is it going to revolutionize things? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think this is going to revolutionize um, uh, monetary policy at all. It might be revolutionize banking. I mean, he does make the point like, oh, you know, uh, companies that do banking shouldn't do other things. Um, you know, this is uh, uh, well. Another thing he said in the article is this has been you know U.S. policy since the Civil War, and then he lists like a bunch of legislation on that this like since the civil war but it's like okay it hasn't been u.s policy since the civil war since they have to keep building legislation to to fix it uh but um look it, it's um i don't think uh, the the old way of banking the, the i don't know a lot of this history is not even okay History matters, but I feel like the the article is too surface that it doesn't really. It just says, "Hey, we dis- we made this decision in the past, and this decision has to stand, and obviously is still um, you know um, still relevant, even though I'm not going to make a a good argument for that." I kind of expect the people that are going to benefit from this are going to be corporations more so than actual people. First of all, like the companies that have uh, that have put themselves as part of this group of 100 um, and, and other companies will learn from this, I'm sure. And, and um, there may be some things that come out of this that will benefit, uh, benefit a lot of corporations when it comes to like, when it comes to users exchanging money on their platform, especially yeah. in the, in the international uh, use case and probably wealthy people will benefit from this. People who have, who have a lot of capital that they want to move from from one uh, country to another. Um, I kind of expect that these are the people who are going to benefit from this more than anyone else. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, can I read the, the title? Because the title is great. Launching a global currency is a bold, bad move for Facebook. The way we structure money and payments is a question for democratic institutions, not technology companies. So, yeah, and, and so the... The uh, author is a fellow at the Open Markets Institute, but his whole um, article is how we have to close the market for banking in order to uh, presumably keep the markets open for everyone else. So I don't – I, uh, I, I, maybe it will be interesting to talk to someone like this and try to flesh out what they are, but the, yeah. I feel like I'm not smarter for having read that article in the New York Times, and I expect <laughs> more from that. Yeah, um, I, I could see – I could see uh... – I could see an argument for like, oh, this is this is something that shouldn't that shouldn't be legal because uh, because for the things I said before, like corporations and rich people are going to benefit off of this. So it's probably something um, something where like money that should be going back into a government for social good, for example, or back into the economy um, is, is ending up in other places. And that's not good. Um, but I feel like an economist could talk more about that right, <laughs> or someone yeah. who, who knows more about banking, not, you know, someone who's writing a surface article for the New yeah. York Times. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure this guy is no dummy. Um, but, um, but I just don't like the article. <laughs> right. 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 This person <laughs> can be very smart. But yeah. Um, but, uh, I, depth. yeah, but no, but there are a lot of people who are smart, but then they can, you know, if you have access to a New York times opinion article, you can see, you can end up saying whatever you want and it, it's, 
annoying. Um, okay. Uh, so Shapley's power index. Let's move on to something a little more conceptual because one of the important things that we do on the local maximum is talk about concepts from math and data science and um, try to apply it to the news and try to apply it to both your everyday life and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe business or whatever you, whatever you want. Um, so first a note, Shapley's power index is about um, two things. It's, it's primarily about voting systems. It's also about um, how to negotiate among many people uh, or the right way to like cut a deal. And so all these things are kind of important in our lives. One of the reasons uh, that people, that there, there's a lot of focus on voting systems right now. I think one of the reasons is looking at political elections, um, but obviously most of us won't be in a position to change how political elections happened. Unfortunately. So yeah, well, there, there's a renewed focus on how organizations make decisions and most people will someday be part of some organization with a voting structure. Uh, even children in the clubhouse have, uh, have, uh, you know, have organizational structures as, as, uh, as, uh, as very, um, Arbitrary they may be, uh, but uh, you know who's allowed to uh, you know trade candy after Halloween, all that. Um, but uh, or who's allowed to play? I remember you know in the schoolyard it was like who's allowed to play handball. Um, they had all these rules where you have to you know you have to beat a bunch of people in this court and then you can go on that court. It's like kids are making this up. Um, I don't remember exactly how that worked, but okay. Uh, so uh, finally, with the development of cryptocurrency and smart contracts. And this is just as true with Facebook coin as anything. Like uh, the voting structure is going to be crucial to the organization. So we're seeing this, I think, you know, for the first, maybe not for the first time in history, but this is, this is going to be true moving forward more than any other time. There are going to be new coins, new investments where, uh, you know, the, uh, the value proposition, they're going to say the benefit of this, the reason why you should invest in this is that it's a better voting structure than we had before, is that it's a better group decision-making structure than we had before. So if that's how... Uh, how we're going to evaluate things, we'll, we better be in a good position to evaluate that. Yeah. So I, I think um, I'm going to talk a lot more about these ideas uh, later on. Uh, in, not later on. Well, we're going to talk about this today, but um, th this is going to come up again and again on the local maximum. So that's why I want to start talking about it today. I did talk uh, about uh, social choice theory with Daniel Kronovit. When did I do that? That was back in... It was a while ago. No, yeah. Episode 48, back in January, we were talking, we talked about uh, Arrow's theorem and how there really is no such thing as a perfect voting system. Mm -hmm. um, and so definitely check that one out for another, uh, you know, not, so th there, there's a lot to be said about this whole field. So um, today we're going to learn about Shapley's power index. Let's start talking about Shapley's power index. So what is it? Um, it is a way, uh, given a voting system or a decision-making system, it's a way to assign a number uh, to every person who is in the system, every voter or every decision-maker, whatever it is. And that number more or less corresponds to how much power that you have in the system. So the basic idea um, – and so how do you come up with that number? And so the idea is that you need – a winning coalition to get things done. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, if you think about it in terms of having an election, let's say you have an election which requires a majority. Okay. So the winning coalition is essentially whatever a majority of people are. That's the that that's the coalition. And so the idea is that you randomize the order in which people are going to join the coalition. So let's say there are 10 voters. That means how many different orders are there? 10 factorial, 10 factorial different orders. But let's say it's just you and me voting yeah. on something. Then there'll be two orders. It'll be Miriam first, then me, or then me, then you. You know. Yep. So um, yeah, and yeah, that's a factorial function. Grows very, uh, it, it's hard it to, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to calculate these actually um, in, um, yes, in very complicated voting system, it could be very difficult to actually uh, calculate this in practice. Um, so you randomize the order, and then the probability that you're the person who puts the makes the decision, who 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 puts it over the yeah, top. Flops. Yeah, you're so you have one person join the coalition. The first person, okay, that's not enough. The second person, that's not enough. At some point before that, between that and between having 
unanimity, everyone on board. At some point between those two, the decision happens. Or it could happen in those two. You could have the decision automatically happen, or you could have the decision require unanimity. But um, yeah, and so the probability that you are the... Uh, what's it called? The the decider. The decider is it the the switching point, or it's it's the um yeah uh the the tipping point. Tipping point is the that's, one I want to yeah, get. That's, yeah, that's a good, the, good way the, to say it. Tipping point. That's that that's what it is. So if you have a hundred percent of the power, that means that whatever you say goes. So that means that in any ordering, once it gets to you, whatever you say, that's um if you join once you join the coalition, then it happens. And if you don't join the coalition, then uh, then it never happens. And so the Shapley value is the measurement of power um, in a voting system. It was originally used to uh, analyze electoral systems. I think one of the original papers was used to analyze the Electoral College. Um, But uh, first, uh, it's the only reasonable way to distill voting power into a single number pre-election, which we'll talk about in a second. So I, you listened to the My Favorite Theorem episode with Anil Venkatesh, yeah. as, as did I. Did you like that? I really... Yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed that too. Um, yeah. What was your big takeaway from that? Um, the big takeaway was that it, it, it can come up in... Like vo- voting systems can come up in really unexpected places. Hmm. Like I would have never... Uh, when, uh, when you first started talking about game development, I didn't expect it to be around like what items the game like the uh, character was carrying i thought it was going to be around community stuff um yeah it's i was thinking like oh it's going to come up in in a sense with uh, a group of people but in in this case that's that's really not not where it came up it came up in a single person playing uh is there going to be a specific item that's op op what does that mean overpowered oh overpowered okay yeah and so um I'll, I'll link to that, localmaxradio.com slash 72. That's, the, that's an episode of a, a, one of the greatest math podcasts out there, My Favorite Theorem. Um, and um, yeah, so the, the, the theorem that they're discussing that day is that basically any other way to distill voting power into a single number is, um, it doesn't really make sense from a mathematical perspective. Now, that said... You know, people are going to bring this up, but um, there there are some major drawbacks to using this number. So anytime you take a complex system and you distill it into a single number, you're always going to lose information. Um, and secondly, it also is um, something it, – it's the amount of power that you have before the election take place. Obviously, after the election takes place or knowing how the other people are going to vote does affect your analysis of the system. So let's give a, uh, I want to go through a couple examples, okay? Let's suppose um, that uh, you and me were doing uh, an investment firm, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And like um, we have, we can incorporate it in two ways. We can say, hey, we agree to do an investment when both of us agree. All right. Or we could say Uh. that uh, we agree to do an investment when one of us pulls the trigger. Yeah. So, in both of those cases, we both have uh, 50% Shapley yeah. power. Yeah. Uh, because in both of those cases, uh, well, okay, if you randomize the order of you and me getting involved, yeah. you're either going to be in pos- 50% of the time you're going to be in position one, 50% yeah. of the time you're going to be in position two. Yep. In the and case, you get credit for being in position two. In the or case, you get position, you get credit for being in position one because if yeah. you're the first person who goes and you're the first person to say yes, boom, it happens. Yeah. So. It has the same Shapley number, but you have to realize that those are very different. Um, those are very different uh, rules of operation, yeah. um, and so and like if you have more people, think about it. Everyone needs to agree uh, versus one person needs to pull the trigger, and everyone's worried that like you know the other person's going to pull the trigger first. Very different dynamic between between people there. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I, I'm just agreeing, and I, I'm thinking like, yeah, you you can't just use this this number to be the one thing yeah. that you compare it's, two systems by. Right, right. Um, and also, I I also want to post uh, point out that it, it it does matter how everyone else is going to vote. So the um, the idea that I I put is like, let's say you're joining a corporate board, and let's say there are two other people on the board, and in well let's 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 look at two different cases right in one case you know that the two people on the board well 
first of all, in real life, actually being on the board helps. Even if you don't have voting power, you can like convince people you could right, be there. Right, so, exactly. so th- first of all, all of that is thrown away with the Shapley value. Yeah, and that yeah. is something if that you're we like need to, really good at yeah. inspiring people and yeah. persuading people. You have a lot yeah. more power. And than, that's, and than Shapley that's something that people <laughs> should think about in terms of voting system, uh, in terms of like voting systems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but OK, so. Uh, and so, yeah, it's important to, to think about where these break down. But I think one of them is, OK, let's suppose that the board is is they don't really talk very much. They just vote. And it's not really uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's secret. OK, yeah, secret, uh, secret ballots, secret ballots. And everybody is is like mute and maybe not in the same room. Yeah, uh, so yeah, they never talk to each other. <laughs> right. So in one case, you know that the two other people on the board um, always agree with each other. And then in the other case, you know, they always disagree with each other and you always have a stake in which one wins. Um, well, those are two very different um, propositions for joining this board. Like in the first one, if the other two people are always going to agree, then you get zero value out of being on this board uh, because you're always going to be outvoted whether you agree with them or not. In the second case, um, essentially, you have power over every single decision that's made because yep. you're more in the center. So. I don't know necessarily, I I feel, I don't know necessarily, I think these are important points to bring up. I don't know exactly how to apply them um, in specific circumstances. Maybe if you have an idea, localmaxradio at gmail.com. But I think uh, these these ideas should be taken into account. Um, Two ideas when we're talking about electoral systems, I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to go further than this, but, you know, there's a couple schools of thought here. One is, you know, you're getting the right thing if you just have a kind of the one man, one vote situation where everyone has an even Shapley value. And regardless of how voting happens, that's kind of how democracy should work. And the other um, theory is, no, it actually matters how everyone votes. Um, and so, you know, kind of demographics matter and like, you know, distribution of ideology and living spaces, uh, you know, culture matters. And so therefore, you could have kind of a more uh, complex voting systems, which in this case, you could support the Electoral College, but you don't have to, you could support something else. But uh, it's, I was thinking about it, how these are kind of two approaches that, um, you know, that, that that people often take in looking at voting systems. I'm the, I feel like going through all the examples would be too much. I'd have to uh, have a whole show on this. But I just wanted to make that point with the, the two different approaches. And I kind of wanted to ask what you guys think. Again, localmaxradio at gmail.com if you want to weigh in. Um, all right. I have one more point about the uh, Shapley values. Anything else you would like to add, Miriam? I I hope you do a whole episode on on uh, on voting. I, you might I, not I agree with me. Well, uh, yes, I, I probably will do multiple episodes on voting. Um, yeah, so, it's just yeah. such a such an interesting topic, and there's so many things. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've touched on some some interesting stuff so far. I really like the uh, the. I feel like as engineers, we we like to focus a lot on the numbers. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that that you kind of went through and talked about how uh, this one number um, isn't enough. Yeah, it's it's very good to know, but it's not enough. Yeah. Uh, so it's like right. this is sort of is it is it the Dunning Kruger effect? That is that the one where you think you know a lot when you know a little bit? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. This is the thing where like. I think being aware of the Shapley value is that puts you on the in the worst position than Dunning Kruger effects. Because like, yeah. okay, now I know how voting systems work, and yeah. then you're yeah. like, ha ha, I understand the complicated math, and you guys don't, so I could tell you all what to do. No, but <laughs> no, but then then you get into like the uh, the complexities of well, both human nature, but there's even mathematical complexities here yeah. that, are, uh, that, are, that are pretty crazy. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so the, the other thing I want to mention that Shapley values are, not all, are also much broader than just um, voting and winning coalitions. Yeah. Um, they are um, also used in terms of multi-party negotiations. So a good example that's always given is, um, and you can use this as like Uber. Let's suppose you want to do like an Uber pool and you want to share with three people. And if you share the Uber, you're saving lots of money, or you're saving some money. And the idea is, how do you distribute that money among the three people? Yeah. And the idea is, you randomize which three people join, how how the people join the coalition, mm-hmm. and then your average contribution to the savings. That's that's your Shapley value, and so that's kind of recognized as a objective way uh, when 
if you're negotiating with a friend or like a bunch of companies negotiate, of course they have to know exactly how much, like what number people are contributing to the bottom line of the deal, which right. is hard enough. Right. But uh, <laughs> but the, so that's the assumption there. But if you if yeah. you if you can make good assumptions there, the Shapley value does tell you you know how to distribute the uh, the, the earnings there. So it's an important part there. Again. Um, Important concept to know puts you in a really bad spot in terms of uh, Dunning Kruger effect. All right. Um, any right, last? The, the, the yeah. real takeaway is that uh, everyone should get better at negotiation and at persuasion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Of course. I mean, and knowing this stuff does help. Like, at least you have, at, at least you'll know, like, what is a, a, you know, I don't know. The Shapley value is always theoretical. I don't think I've used it. Um, I don't think I've used... Well, no, that's not true. Holy, holy crap, that's not true. We, we talked about using it for four-square attribution and trying to figure out which, um, you know, uh, which ads should be given credit for someone, um, someone making the purchase. Ah, someone, that's so, yeah, good, yeah. That's, that's exactly what we use it for. And so, um, but um, we, we only talked about using it. I don't, I don't know. If they, maybe <laughs> we, we use it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that could be something we do in the future. All right. So any last thoughts uh, before we wrap up? Um, it's been great being your co-host. Miriam, it's been great. And thank you for inviting me back into Foursquare HQ here. Back in the last time, on my last day at Foursquare, we uh, talked to Swathi in here in this exact room. And so it is good to be back um, in this room. And it is nice and comfortable, good acoustics, very good. uh, And and the place, the, the Foursquare place looks great. So very happy about that. All right. Next week, I'm talking to Michael Kennedy, who's the host of Talk Python to Me, as well as Python Bytes. We're not just going to talk about programming languages. We're going to talk about uh, education, computer science and math education. We're going to talk about podcasting and business, how he turned his podcast into a business or how he uses business to support podcasting. So buckle up. Miriam, thanks so much for being my fill-in co-host today. (laughs) Anytime, Max. Anytime. All right. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.